Hi, this is Yuri Nair. Welcome to the Awkward Mind Podcast. If you're here, you must be interested in developing your mind and improving your life through self-education. Unfortunately, developing your mind can be a real struggle when you're constantly being bombarded with negative digital noise from those pesky devices all around us. To tell you the truth, I felt frustrated myself until I discovered three simple steps to declutter my mind from that digital noise. And now I wanted to share those steps with you in the hope that it'll give you the tools to tune out the noise so that you can better focus on the things that will nurture and improve your mind. For that, I put together a free video series that walks you through the simple process of decluttering your mind from the digital noise. Are you ready to get rid of the negative clutter for good and tune into your real mind? Then head to awkwardmind.com to grab your free video series now and start your journey to a better mind today. And now let's get on to the show. Yeah, I think I was caught in that paradigm for a long time. I just thought if it's just just one more book and one more seminar, then I'll get the answer, then I'll get this. Um, but yeah, you get caught in that trap that, that the answer is outside of myself. Because it always puzzled me why you would get, say, 100 people going to a seminar and maybe 5% of them would just go absolutely amazing at it and they would just do these amazing things and the other 95 would just do nothing. And yeah, it was the same information that was given to those 100 people. So I was like, well, it's definitely not the information that's the issue. It's what people do with that information. And if you don't have the belief that you're capable of doing something, if you don't believe that you're worthy of earning a certain amount of money, you're not going to do it. The reason people earn the money that they do is because they believe that's all they're worth making. So to actually increase your wealth, you have to actually increase uh, your worth. Worth is a direct correlation to, to wealth. People just think, oh, if I just make a bit more money and if I, just, if, I, if, if I can just do this or just do that, then, then it'll be okay. But it's not the other. It's actually the other way around. You actually have to change who you are before your outside world will change. Where most people try and change the outside world to try and heal themselves. You've got it completely backwards. This is the Awkward Mind Podcast. I'm Yuri Nair. My guest today is Will Han. Will, you're a confidence and self-belief coach who specializes in freeing people from stress, anxiety, and self-doubt so they can start living a life of happiness, purpose, and passion. Your ability to help others was inspired by a personal, years-long struggle with low self-esteem and lack of confidence. You knew you had more to give to the world and kept looking for a way to change. You tried everything from traditional to new age therapies to countless self-help books and seminars, but your life didn't change. Well, after 20 years, you finally discovered the reason why everything you tried failed to work in the past. With this newfound knowledge, you changed your life practically overnight and now share that knowledge with other people to transform their lives. So to share some of that knowledge and to help transform our lives, well, it is my great pleasure to welcome you to the Awkward Mind podcast. Uh, awesome, yeah, thanks very much for that intro. Yeah, that's, uh, that was really good to hear. And um, yeah, no, it's really, I'm really happy to be here and uh, chat to you and, uh, and the people listening in. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you. So before we get, jump in, because I, I know everyone is curious to hear, because I think all of us can use a little bit more inspiration on how to overcome some of the self-esteem issues that I think everyone, deals with on some level. But before we jump into that, I, I have to ask you, because I saw this on one of your social media posts, what is a snitty and why did you fly halfway around the world <laughs> to try it? A snitty. Uh, so that's a very Australian thing is that um, Australians like to shorten everything. We're very slack. So all of our words, it's almost like a completely different language. And um, so a snitty is uh, short for a snitzel. So, yeah, so if you go to Australia, you'll hear all these shortened words like um, if you're uh, an ambulance, we call an ambo. Um, it's just everything is just shortened just because well, I think we're pretty slack. So, yeah, that's what a, a snitty is. And you just can't find a good snitty in most places. Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, I was, I was just curious. So I had to before we jumped, <laughs> jumped in, I had, I had to, to ask what you. a snitty is. Yeah, exactly. So 
I guess th- that now that that's out of the way, yeah. what was your aha moment? Because you said, it, you know, it took you 20 years to sort of sort things out. So what finally made you realize that there was a better way? Um, as you said, like I spent 20 years of trying to figure out how my mind worked. I knew that I didn't want to keep living the way I did. As I said, um, as you mentioned, I was, uh, didn't have any self-esteem growing up. I was a very shy kid. And I used to see all these confident people out there and going out and living life. And that's who I wanted to be. And that's who I knew actually was inside me, but I just couldn't actually be that person. I just kept falling back into that person with insecurities and doubts and self-esteem issues. And so I'd go to all these seminars and I'd go to all those ones where you jump around for two or three days and you feel really motivated. Then after a couple of days, you just fall back into your same patterns again. And no matter what I did, no matter what self-help book I read, what seminar I went to, I just kept falling back into this same person, which was after, like, pretty demoralizing. After 20 years of trying your bloody hardest to become someone greater and just becoming the same person, it was yeah, demoralizing and almost, um, I would say it almost fall into depression after a while, just going on that loop. And I think a lot of people I see now just get into that loop of um, trying to do something more, but then falling back and then trying and falling back. They sort of self-sabotage, I think, is the, the common term for it now. Everyone seems to self-sabotage. And the thing that eventually clicked in my head was I found this bit of information is that most of us think that with this one mind, with this one conscious mind, that if I want to stop smoking, I just think I want to stop smoking and my mind should do what it tells it. My mind should do what I tell it to do. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And most people don't question that. Most people don't question why when I want something, it doesn't happen. And so I started investigating that and actually worked out that we actually comprised of three separate minds. We're not just the one mind that we think we are. And so when I started learning that, that sort of opened up exactly the reasons why I wasn't becoming the person I wanted to be. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I've heard you talk about it a little bit offline, this sort of difference between the subconscious and the conscious mind. And I guess now there's also a third. So would you break that down for us? Yeah. So there's, um, there's three minds and they all evolved um, at different times. So the first mind that evolved was the, it's called the reptilian mind. That's, um, you may hear like the brainstem uh, is, the, is that part of the human mind. And that's the reptilian mind that all it's associated is uh, get, getting food, survival, reproduction. That's all it cares about. So if you look at a snake or a, um, a crocodile, that's all they care about. They don't, you can't train a crocodile. It doesn't matter how long you've had a crocodile as a pet. If it can get you, it's going to eat you. It doesn't care. Um, and so that's the part of the mind that is, is in, a, in us as well. So that's one of our minds. And that's that uh, flight or fright response that you hear a lot about, talked about. And that's the part of the mind that's like, if a bus is coming at us, we don't have to think about, oh, should I step away? It's just instant. We're just looking after ourselves and we get out of the way. That's that reptile part of the mind. And the second part of the mind that uh, evolved was the mammalian mind. And um, And so that's, part of most mammals like your dogs your cats and so that's when uh, things like emotions started to develop and so we have that side of us and those two minds are the subconscious mind we actually don't actually understand what's going on under the surface consciously uh, we know what's going on but subconsciously those two minds do their own thing and we have no control over what actually happens within that mind and so the third mind that came along in our evolution is, uh, is the neocortex. And this is um, the mind that came with, um, uh, I suppose, chimps and a few other animals have got that neocortex. And so that gives us conscious thinking. It gives us analytic reasoning. And so they're the three minds uh, that were actually in our mind and they're constantly fighting. And that's the reason why we have so much uh, issues with our lives is because we've got this constant struggle with these uh, minds pulling us in, in different directions. So w- was that really your ultimate discovery then that you realized that there was this inner conflict and you started to work on that? Yeah, exactly. Because 
I always felt like, as you said, there's this thing, this self-sabotage inside us. And I've always wondered, like, why do I keep self-sabotaging myself? And so when I realised that there's this other part of my mind that's in control, and I think the biggest thing that I figured out was that the subconscious mind is in control 95% of the time, where your conscious mind is only in control 5% of the time. And so that was a big aha moment. It's like there's this thing that is controlling my life that I'm unaware of, and it's in control 95% of the time. And so once I started working out that and, and, and how my subconscious mind worked and how to change the subconscious mind, that's when my life just completely changed overnight. Wow. That's amazing. And yeah. so I guess that, that leads to the question of then what can we do if, if our subconscious mind is actually in control 95% of the time? How do yeah. we actually speak to that? And I don't know if that ties into the core beliefs because I know you talk about that a lot as well. Yeah, so these core beliefs. So, so to give you some understanding about uh, the subconscious mind, so the subconscious mind um, mostly develops when we're children. And so between the ages of zero and eight, our subconscious mind is forming um, its programming. So the subconscious mind is this logical, it's almost like a computer program. And it learns its programming uh, between the ages of zero and eight. And it picks all these programs up from um, its surroundings. It just learns, it's like a sponge. It just absorbs everything that it's around. And so it's going to pick up things from uh, parents, from society, from school, from TV, and it's just absorbing everything. But the problem is, is that at that age, it doesn't have a filter. It doesn't know what's good and what's, a, and what's bad. It just takes everything in. And so that's why um, you become a lot like your surroundings. You're influenced so much by where you're brought up and the beliefs, uh, the beliefs around you are actually absorbed into your subconscious mind as well. And it's because it's this subconscious program, um, it just does its own thing. It just, it, um, how can I explain it? It's almost like if you have a computer program at home, it just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again. And if you don't know how to change that program, it's just going to keep doing the same thing. That makes sense. So I guess we have to work, work on that programming and doing some of that early. It's not da damage is the wrong word probably, yeah, it's right? Because damage. it's not intentional. No, exactly. It's not intentional. And the human mind is developed to look for the danger. So it's always looking for the worst in things. So that's why they say, I think 70% of our programming is of a negative nature. Yeah, that's fascinating. The other thing, well, I wanted to ask you, because I noticed on your Instagram account, uh, Inner Beliefs on Instagram, it's really easy to find, which I know that's just how we connected. It's just amazing. It's a really inspiring account. So I'd encourage everyone to check it out. But I, I noticed that the, the tagline on there, sort of the headline is, self-doubt and anxiety are not unnatural existence. So what, what do you mean by that? Um, so if you look at when kids are growing up, they have real no concerns, no worries. They don't worry about what other people think about them. If you ask them what they want to do in life, they give you the most honest answers and they, they don't overthink things. They don't worry about what other people think. They don't think about what's possible or what's realistic. And it's only we get sort of shaped into someone who has uh, the fear of judgment. They worry about what others think about them. Um, they're constantly overthinking things. And it's, it's something that is taught, especially the fear of failure. I think that's uh, a massive thing that we're taught in society is to fear failure. But failure is the only way to learn. Failure is the way to grow, which is how we're designed. We're designed to learn through failure, yet we're taught to avoid failure. And so I, that's why I don't think it's this natural way of being. Our natural way of being is to, is to grow and explore and be who you want to be and not worry about what anyone else thinks or believes. So, yeah, that's, that's my understanding of it. Yeah. And so do you think most of us are just blind to that fact that we have those limiting beliefs, that we, we don't even realize it? Yeah, exactly. Because they're subconscious. If you think, look at the word subconscious, it actually means below conscious. So it's below your conscious awareness. So we're not even, um, most of us don't even realize that we're running 95% of our life from our subconscious programming. 
And when I talk about subconscious programming, uh, most people call those things beliefs. So that's the, the general term that people call the subconscious um, programming. So everyone has these beliefs that they have and the subconscious mind is designed to not change. It's designed to um, absorb those beliefs from zero to eight and then it just holds on to them for, for dear life. It doesn't like to change because it's, that's how we were, um, that's evolutionary, that's how we were designed. And so that's the problem is that one, people aren't even aware that they're running from these limiting beliefs. And if they are aware of, of that they have these limiting beliefs, they don't know how to change them because the mind doesn't like change. And so and this then, is, what, yeah, yeah, sorry. I was gonna oh, say, so please. this is, yeah, so, this is what happens when say people want to um, stop smoking or that they want to eat better or they want to exercise. You've got this conscious mind who thinks, okay, I want something better. I want something more for myself. So I'm going to go to the gym. So you will sign up for a 12 month membership. And I've done this a couple of times and you go for the first couple of weeks and you're really excited and energetic. Um, but then after a while, you start to fall back into those old patterns again. And that's because you don't have those subconscious beliefs to reinforce living a healthy lifestyle. Consciously, you may want it, but subconsciously, you're not programmed, you're not wired to be that way. And so that's why you're always fighting this losing battle because 95% of the time, the subconscious is, is ruling your life. And so it's really, really difficult to use willpower to actually change anything in your life. Yeah, it's actually fascinating that, that you say that because I recently read a book by Benjamin Hardy that he aptly titled Willpower Doesn't Work. Mm. And he basically speaks exactly. to that. You have to change your environment. You can't just force yourself to overcome the negatives. So yeah. what have you changed in, in your own life, I guess, to overcome some of that negative programming? Um, so once I figured out that like, the negative beliefs were controlling my life, I, I thought, okay, how do I go and change these things? So I went out and found everything I could possibly find that would go and change my subconscious mind. And there's a lot of modalities out there that I tried in the past. And I think the problem with those modalities is they focus on the conscious mind. A lot of stuff out there focus on conscious, like as I was talking before, like when you're reading a self-help book that's designed for your conscious mind, seminars are all about conscious mind uh what else is there i tried just normal um therapy it's just like talk therapy again that's just conscious mind so there's very few things out there that understand that it's all about the subconscious so i went out there and, and tried to find as many things as i could that would help with the subconscious mind uh, things like hypnotherapy can work it's a bit hit and miss it depends on the practitioner and whether um they talk to the conscious mind or the subconscious mind. So whether they actually even, sometimes they may not even understand the differences, but they may be talking to the subconscious mind. So I like it to do a lot of um, um, self trial, self experimentation. So I did a lot of um, um, hypnotherapy with a, with some practitioners and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. So that's one way of doing it. Uh, there's another thing is affirmations. People talk a lot about affirmations. And again, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so I sort of wanted to know what makes a difference. Why does it work sometimes? Why does it not work the other time? And coming back to my understanding of the subconscious mind is that the subconscious mind doesn't understand future and the past. It only understands the present. And so when you're doing affirmations about uh, in the future, I will, I will be rich, I will be this. You're talking about the future. And the subconscious mind doesn't care about the future. It doesn't understand the future. And so that's why I think a lot of affirmations don't work. Um, the other, um, so when you, if you do decide to do affirmations, make sure they're in the present tense. It's really important to be able to talk to the subconscious mind. Uh, the best time to do affirmations is morning and night. Um, when the conscious mind is sort of not in the way as much in the morning and night. So you can sort of bypass the conscious mind. And um, the other thing with affirmations is that you need to do them over and over and over again. 
unfortunately, because the subconscious mind doesn't want to change, you need a lot of repetition. Because that's what the subconscious mind does. The subconscious mind takes anything that we repeat over and over and over again, it creates it into a program. So you may remember when you drove a car for the first time. Do you still have that memory? <laughs> yeah. I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I always remember it because it was, yeah, because it's such a difficult thing because I remember learning to try and drive, drive a manual for the first time and I had to like use, you know, there were three pedals and I've only got two feet. I'm like, how does that work? Plus you've got to remember like you've got to steer, change the gear stick, look in all these mirrors and there was so much going on. I'm like, how does anyone do this? Like it was so overwhelming. But whenever you repeat something over and over, over again, it then becomes part of the subconscious mind. Because the thing with the, the, the big difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind is the conscious mind can only process 40 bits of information per second. Like its processing power is, is fairly small. Where the subconscious mind can process 40 million bits of information a second. So this subconscious mind we have is incredibly powerful. Like it's a million times more powerful than our conscious rational mind. And so that's why you can be driving down the driving down the road and you can be, I don't know what people be, people drink their coffee, they put makeup on, they do create that on their phone, all these things they shouldn't be doing, but they can do those things because their conscious mind isn't driving anymore. Their subconscious mind has taken over and is driving. Yeah. And it's so powerful. Yeah. Once you mentioned manual, yeah. <laughs> you Once you mentioned that. manual, that that I have a vivid memory of. Yeah, in college, yeah. a friend tried to teach me because she had a manual car. Because yeah. here in the states, most people drive automatic, so you know okay. we cheat because yeah. we're lazy. But yeah, yeah, I remember learning manual, and yeah, so I feel okay. you there on the three pedals and two yeah. feet thing. You remember the, the bunny hopping? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, well. and the stalling and all that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, stalling in traffic and everyone beeping. Yeah, good yeah, memories no, for sure. But I guess so. That's fascinating. So. We really can, it sounds like it just takes a lot of work, but we can reprogram our beliefs. You can reprogram, definitely. And there's some techniques that can take a few minutes, which is like incredibly powerful. That was probably the biggest game changer for me was when I found some techniques that was just like within like a couple of minutes, it just completely changes beliefs. It's As I was going back to the analogy before, it's like when you understand how to program a computer, it's, it can take minutes to reprogram a computer, but if you don't know how to do it, you'll be there for years trying to work out how this thing works. So there is some ways to actually to go and change the mind really quickly. But most of, yeah, most of the time, it can take some time. Another way to change the mind, unfortunately, is when you have a, um, like a massive life event. You hear about people having like a near-death experience or there's a death in the family. Something really sudden, emotional can jolt someone into changing, um, but I don't recommend that. Um, I recommend trying to change before one of those massive life events like comes knocking at your door. Mm. No, I'm glad you say that because I've actually asked, uh, I had a business transformation coach on recently and I asked her that because yeah. it seems like all of the successful people that we hear about They've yeah. had this traumatic event in their life and this tremendous struggle. So it's actually refreshing for me to hear now a second person say that we d it's okay. You don't need that event to be successful and to do well in life. No, definitely not. You just have to, yeah. Once you sort of get that instruction guide on how the mind works, then it's, um, it's, it's life transformation. It really is. Cause all of a sudden you have the two minds working together when when they're not working together, that's self-sabotage because they're constantly battling. And when I actually changed my subconscious to being in line with my conscious desires, that's when things just completely changed for me. Like I became a different person. I didn't recognize myself anymore. And what was that like? Um, it was weird. It was really weird. I would wake up and go, who, who is this person in my mind? Um, that internal chatter that was constantly berating me and telling me how wrong I was, that was just completely gone. I'm like, I, I never thought I would get rid of that inner critical voice. And it was uh, like, I do not miss it at all. Um, but when I actually, like it probably took a couple of about two or three weeks to recognize that that little voice had disappeared. 
And it was actually quite emotional when I, when I realized that voice was gone. I'll never forget that moment. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. That's, that's incredible. But I hear that a lot when I, when I work with people, like we don't actually work on quietening that inner voice, but just the work that we do changing their beliefs about, um, about themselves. It, one of the natural results is that inner critical voice will just start to get quieter and quieter until it just almost is gone. Cause I feel like it's a lot of, a lot of the issues with um, subconscious beliefs is people don't believe in themselves. They don't have that confidence. They don't have that self-belief. And I feel like that, that creates so many issues in people's lives. And I know I did in mine. And that's why I like working with people, um, changing their subconscious beliefs about themselves. It's like, it's incredibly powerful. So that's what you focus on in, in your coaching programs. Yeah, definitely. Um, because when it comes down to it, like people used to come to me for different things. Like they would come to me for like procrastination or they wanted to get um, healthy and fit or um, they had um, bad, bad relationships. Uh, there was all these things that people were coming to me for. But when you dig into it, it all came back to self-belief and self-worth. Self-worth was like almost the root of 80% of the, of the issues that people were dealing with. And... I think all these things that people are going through are just symptoms of something else that's going on. Um, for instance, say the, um, the fear of judgment, everyone has this massive fear of judgment, but when you dig into it, people fear other people's judgment because they fear they'll lose that connection with someone else. And it's that loss of that loss of connection, that loss of love from someone else. And that is the biggest fear that people have. So it's not the rejection that's the issue. It's the, it's the missing the, the love from someone else, missing the connection. And people are actually looking for that connection in others because they're missing that connection with themselves. I think that's such like, it's such a big thing is that people are looking for solutions outside in the external world. Like in Western society, we're told that the solution for all our problems is in the external world. Um, just go out and make more money or just, you know, it's in a relationship. You need to go in a relationship or family or your job, like everything to be happy, you need to get all these external things. And it's like, I figured out it's a, it's a goddamn lie. It's a lie. It is a, it's one of the biggest lies out there that um, happiness is, is found from something outside yourself. When I discovered that it's, it's all these things that we're looking for is actually inside us already. And once you actually discover those things, that's when life completely changes. Like it's a massive, massive change. No, I, I, I love that. I, th I think that's, that's the key there because, right, too often we look for external validation to what we're doing. So sometimes what you said about with relationships especially is we actually lie to ourselves, right, in order to be what we think that person wants us to be yeah. to get that external validation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we become someone that they want to be so because we're afraid of them walking away. So many people I work with are in bad relationships because they will not walk away because their sense of self-worth is coming from the relationship. If, if someone wants to be with me, then I'm worthy, then I'm lovable because they don't have that self-worth or self-love. I explain it to people as if, and this is how it felt for me, I had this big hole inside of me and it was this hole of, I had no worth. I had no self-love and I would go and get it in relationships. And I was the same thing. I would be in terrible relationships, but I wouldn't leave because that would mean that I would lose my self-worth and I would never, ever do that. So I would put up with so much crap in relationships just so I didn't lose his self-worth. And when the relationship does break up, it's so devastating because again, you have this hole inside yourself of this thing of worth. And once I discovered my own self-worth, I was not chasing relationships to fill a hole, if that makes sense. My relationships com became completely different because I wasn't trying to get something from the other person. I was trying to give something to the other person. And it's a completely different dynamics shift when you do that. And so, as I said before, like I was working with all these people, but it always came back to self-worth and, um, and self-love.
and self-esteem and all these things about self. And so that's when I work on with people, I work on the root cause. And when you, when you work on the root cause, it just automatically fixes all these symptoms that are going on. I feel like too many people are working on symptoms and that's why that nothing changes in their life. It's just like medicine. If you, if you try and cure symptoms, they're just gonna, it's just gonna pop up as something else or just keep reoccurring. Um, and so that's where I sort of differ from a lot of people is like, I, I, I don't want to just deal with symptoms. I just wanna get to the root cause and, and work at it from that level. No, that's really powerful. And I agree because I've talked about that a lot, but now you've sort of, you've elevated that connection about treating symptoms to the level of the mind because yeah, I've definitely already seen it in, in fitness and in health that we just, we go after like, here's the quick fix, right? Here's that pill that will instantly make you better. Exactly. People, yeah, as you said, they want this quick fix, Um, but nothing, it doesn't matter. Even if you give someone a pill, they'll still go back to being unhealthy they'll still find a way to self-sabotage always. Cause you think about it, like in this modern age with the internet, we have so much knowledge at our fingertips, so much knowledge. Yet depression rates are going up. Obesity levels are going up. Like you think if it was, if the issue was knowledge, then those things should be coming down. But it's not like the issue is not knowledge. Um, yeah. It's, it's about, um, belief. So, so do you think almost we have too much knowledge, like that it's hurting us, that we're trying to just absorb it all. And we think we just, eventually, if we just read enough self-help books, (laughs) we're going to find the key. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was caught in that paradigm for a long time. I just thought if it's just, just one more book and one more seminar, then I'll get the answer. Then I'll get this. Um, but yeah, you get caught in that trap that, that the answer is outside of myself because it always puzzled me why you would get say a hundred people going to a seminar and maybe 5% of them would just go absolutely amazing at it. And they would just do these amazing things. And the other 95 would just do nothing. And yeah, it was the same information that was given to those hundred people. So I was like, well, it's definitely not the information that's the issue. It's what people do with that information. And if you don't have the belief that you're capable of doing something, if you don't believe that you're worthy of earning a certain amount of money, you're not going to do it. The reason people earn the money that they do is because they believe that's all they're worth making. So to actually increase your wealth, you have to actually increase uh, your worth. Worth is a direct correlation to, to wealth. People just think, oh, if I just make a bit more money and if I, just, if, I, if, if I can just do this or just do that, then, then it'll be okay. But it's not the other It's actually the other way around. You actually have to change who you are before your outside world will change. Where most people try and change the outside world to try and heal themselves. You've got it completely backwards. No, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. So I'm glad that you're saying that. So do you think the first simple step would be to start with maybe those present tense affirmations? Uh, I think, yeah, that's definitely a, a good way of doing it. Um, meditation is another way of doing it, but actually uh, meditation with a goal. So actually thinking about what you want, um, which raises another really good point is when I talk to people and they tell me what they don't want, they'll, if I ask them, okay, what do you want? What are you over? What are you frustrated about in life? They'll give me this long, big list and they won't hesitate. They know exactly what they don't want. They're like, oh, I'm sick of this and I'm sick of, you know, they'll go on and on and on. And then when they're finished, I'll go, okay, um, instead of all that stuff, tell me what you want. And every single time I get the answer of, um, <laughs> I always just get this, um, like, when people think about it, they have no idea what they want. And that's, I think, is a really good place to start is instead of focusing on what you don't want, focus on what you want. Because the mind um, is, like the subconscious mind is like this eight-year-old child. And if you tell an eight, like there's this thing where you go, don't think of a pink elephant. 
And the first thing you think of is a pink elephant. And that's how the subconscious mind works. It's like, if you just keep focusing on all the things you don't want in life, that's what's going to turn up in your life. So you really need to just turn that around and, and move past all that negativity and go, okay, what do I want? And just start focusing on that. And, and once you have that, um, once your mind starts thinking more about that, things will start manifesting. Uh, and so I think that's probably the, the first port of call for someone to, who wants to sort of start shifting some things. And I, I guess the other thing, cause you know, so I saw you've talked about it is to stop fixating on the past and to live in the now. Yeah, definitely. Um, cause a lot of us can get caught up in the past and we live in regret and we wish things were different. And, um, we, we've all done things that we're probably not um, happy about and we, we wish we were living, we regret things happening. Um, but the problem is, is that that's happened in the past and there's nothing you can do about it. And living in that past is only going to cause uh, frustration. And um, if, you just, if you're constantly sitting in the past, it's actually going to cause a, um, depression eventually. Like you'll eventually get to that point. And so that's a very good point you raise is, yeah, you just sort of got to get out of the past. And I think a lot of people are stuck in the past because they're viewing their past from their present self. And they just think, oh, my God, I should have known better. I should have known not to do that. But the thing is, in that moment, you didn't know better. You didn't, you didn't have foresight. Like it's, it's easy to know in retrospect, but you didn't know. And so you can't blame yourself. You have to let go of that blame and forgiveness of things in the past is a massive thing. Like to let go of the past, you have to forgive yourself. You have to give yourself permission because the question is, is if that same situation happened again, would you do the same thing? And if the answer is no, then you learn from that mistake, from that failure, and you'll never do it again. And that's how we grow as people is, is that we fail, we stuff up and we learn. People who keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, then that's a different story. But if you learn from your mistake, then see it as a, as a growth opportunity and you're now a different person. You're now a bigger person, a better person. And so focus on that. Hmm. Yeah, it, it goes back to what you said in the beginning, right? That we're sort of taught that failure is a bad thing. And I guess in turn, that gives us a bad relationship with a past where we failed. So if we look at failure a different way, then we can look at our past mistakes a different way as well. Yeah, exactly. And I guess, well, on the flip side of that, because I've heard you say that future then, if we focus too much on the future, then that causes anxiety. Yeah, definitely. So the opposite of living in the past, yeah, is living in the future. And if you're constantly worried about the future, then it's going to cause, as you said, all this anxiety. People who are anxious are generally living in the future and we don't know what the future is going to hold. Um, And so you can't, no one can predict the future. So there's no point worrying about the future. You can plan for the future, but don't stress and worry about the future because it's only going to cause anxiety. The power we have as, as, as people, as humans, is living in the now. This is all the time we've got. So the more time you can bring yourself back to the present, uh, the, the better you're going to feel, the less anxiety, the less depression you're going to feel. So that's a really good point you raise is, is just sort of bring yourself back to the now. That's why I think like meditation is really good because it just centers you into the present moment. Focus on the power that you have in the now, definitely. Yeah. And none of this is really hard absolutes, right? Because I, I don't want someone listening to feel like who might be suffering with uh, low self-esteem and wants to get out of it, that they have to get this absolutely right and perfect, right? That if for a second they start to think about the past or they start to focus on the future, that all of a sudden they start, that becomes a loop of itself where they're down on themselves. Like, well, I didn't do exactly what Will said. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's it's all about incremental steps. Like it's it's small steps. Uh, Yeah, it's um, like, it's a really good point you raised is that, we, we have these grand ideas in our head of what we want in life. And if we don't get to that massive, if we don't get to the top of the mountain, then we've failed. But if you've made a few steps forward, then that's, yeah, exactly. That's a win. 
and you just you just keep putting one foot in front of the other just keep working towards um, whatever goal you have um, and just keep moving forward don't worry about it. if you do take a couple of steps back doesn't matter just yeah dust yourself off and just keep moving forward yeah no exactly absolutely no i completely agree because the only person at the end of the day the only person you're competing with is yourself yeah exactly yeah and that's uh, if we stop competing against everyone else i think life would be so much simpler because life's not going to be always about um, moving forward you're always going to be moving forward moving back moving forward that's just the way life is it's ups and downs and to think that life is only going to be up and up and up and up it's sort of like it, it's a little bit delusional and you're always you're setting yourself up for failure and setting yourself up to feel bad but yeah just know that you're gonna yeah it's like when a baby walks it's gonna fall over from time to time it's not a bad thing it's just it's just one of those things it just you get up and you try again get up and try again as, as kids we did that all the time like we would fall over when we were walking and when we learned to like ride a bike or a skateboard or something we would come back with like cuts and bruises and all sorts of things and they were like badges of honor like you know, those things were awesome. But now if we fail, we try and hide that. We try and shun that side of us to other people. Like be proud of, like you fail, like you give it a go. Be proud of, uh, of falling over from time to time. Like that's what I think. Yeah, absolutely. And well, what about the people that have really fallen hard? Someone who's gone through a really traumatic event. What can sort of your techniques do for someone with PTSD say? Um, so, so for things like that, it's, so just going back to the subconscious mind, what happens with the subconscious mind is that it learns from repetition, but it also learns from emotional events. So let's say that you put your hand on a, on a hot stove. That's a really high intense emotional event. And the mind locks that in and just goes, never, ever do that again. Like it, it knows not to do that again you put your hand in fire you only do it once and so that's another way the subconscious mind learns and so what happens with things like ptsd is that you have this traumatic event and it gets locked into the subconscious mind and the subconscious mind doesn't understand past and doesn't understand future so anytime that memory comes up again it's almost like it's happening in the now and so just like um, a negative limiting belief can be changed, um, a P PTSD event can be changed as well with similar techniques because it's, it's the same computer program. So if you know how to change the program for a limiting belief, the same can be done for PSDD. So I've worked with people who have who've gone through some stuff and it's just, it's amazing to see how they look different after, like after five or 10 minutes after doing some processes, they just look completely different. Like their, their shoulders are relaxed. Their face is different. They've been holding onto this stress for so long and they've just let it go. And it's just completely a game changer for them. So it's, it's definitely, uh, it, it's definitely can be, can be solved. Well, yeah, that's great to hear. Cause I know there's many, many people that suffer from it. Of course, first of all, uh, yeah. men and women that have served and, you know, we've certainly yeah. gone through two decades of that. Yeah, just coming back completely crushed. So it's good to hear that there's there's hope for them. There is, yeah. There's definitely hope. So yeah, you can um, you can transform those those um, um, past stressful events. Because the thing is, like we talk about PSTD, uh, PSTD. Sorry, that's the most extreme form of uh, a traumatic event. But you also it's like a scale. It's not like you either have this post-traumatic stress where you don't is I think it's like a degree and I think we focus on the most extreme events but even just um like going for an interview and not getting it is a stressful event um childbirth is a stressful event there's all these stressful events in our life that can get stuck into the subconscious mind like it and so uh, we have to look at it as um a grade that everyone goes through these things some people have more intense um, events than others but we all have those events that are stuck in our subconscious mind hmm. absolutely yeah no that's that's fair enough i guess well a little bit out of left field but i was just mm -hmm. I was thinking about it because the other thing that i heard 
some of the successful people talk about, they seem to really be into it as like psychedelics and these ayahuasca ceremonies and all that yeah. stuff. What do you, what do what do you think of that? Do you have any experience with it? Um, I've had a little bit of experience with that. Um, it's really interesting because the old me was such a control freak before I did all this. I, I would not do any of that um, because I never ever wanted to be out of control. But now that I've, um, made a lot of shifts in my own life that sort of does um it, it intrigues me let's say i was um, i'm thinking about maybe doing some ayahuasca i've done a cambo ceremony i'm not sure if you're familiar with cambo no uh, i'm not um, personally but yeah what is it okay uh so it's a in the amazon it's similar to ayahuasca um but it's they use uh poison um from the from the dart frog the poison dart frog in the amazon where they uh, generally they'll put the poison from the frog onto the end of an arrow and use that as like a spear dart to, to hunt. Um, but in the ceremony, they actually um, put it into your lymphatic system and you have like a, a really good purge. So it's a really interesting, interesting ceremony. Um, so that stuff really does intrigue me. And I think like from what I know about the ayahuasca stuff is it just, it releases a lot of trauma from the subconscious mind. That's what I believe, but I, I really want to self-experiment just to see and, and learn a little bit more. So what's, what's your, um, do you, have you had any experience with ayahuasca? No, I haven't actually. You really touched on something I really connected with when you said that before you were a control freak and you didn't want to really let go. And I really relate to that. I feel like still that, like I had a, a small medical procedure recently, just a, a routine checkup, but it was, it needed to be done under anesthesia. Yeah. And I was like, well, I told, I told the doctor, I was like, just go light on it because I don't want to lose control. And it's, of course, they, you know, they ignore you, but, you know, I slept <laughs> like a baby and it was great afterwards. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it was fine. But, but that, so, yeah, so I'm getting to a point, I think, where my mindset is, is slowly changing. So I am more open to letting go of some of that control. Okay. But no, but my, I don't have any personal experience just yet. I just keep hearing okay. more and more people talk about it. Yeah. So that's why I'm getting yeah, it more and more curious a about more, it. More mainstream and mm -hmm. yeah. And the interesting thing, I know they say that uh, it helps with a lot of addictions, which I found really interesting, which I only found out after my Cambo experience. And after I uh, did Cambo, I gave up coffee where I used to drink three, four, five cups a day and I'd get really bad headaches if I didn't have it. The next day, I just decided not to drink coffee and I just thought it was really weird. And then later I found out that these things uh, can be used to, to keep up addictions. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Cause I have sort of an on like a love hate relationship with coffee where I would, I give it up for, for a period of time and then I go back to it. Yeah. And then, but now I'm trying to give it up for good. Cause this last time I just forgot it, it was a couple of weeks ago, actually. I just, okay. I just didn't drink a cup of coffee and then I had a headache all day and I'm like, this is annoying. Cause I don't want I don't want to have to feel this. Like, I don't want to have to rely on this thing to feel good. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to kick it for good, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe I need to go through that, through that, ceremony <laughs> to really make yeah. sure I got it. Well, I guess, well, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you since this is the awkward mind podcast about yeah. your, the awkward moment that you've had in the past. My awkward moment. Um, I think, oh, I think the most awkward moment I ever had was when I was in, um, I think it was high school and also when I was in university and I was asked to give um, a talk and I think I, for some reason, I got, uh, I'm just trying to remember because it was so long ago and because it was awkward, I try and not remember it and try not to recall it as best as I can. But I think it was, yeah, science. And I had to give this talk about the eye. And so I wrote this thing all about the eye and I knew everything about it and about short-sightedness and all this stuff. And then I had to get up and I just completely froze. And, and I tried to talk and my voice just cracked and I couldn't talk. And I started sweating and like in front of all my friends and it was just the worst feeling I can ever, ever recall. And I had a similar experience when I went to university, I had to give a talk to the class and because I was such a shy, nervous kid with no confidence, it was just one of the worst experiences that I've ever had. And I just hated public speaking. Like you hear that public speaking is like uh, more people are afraid of public speaking than they are of death. Um, and so that's, yeah, I was one of those people. And so that was, yeah, the most awkward, 
awkward experience. Just like, just losing my voice, I think was just terrible. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. Because as an introvert, I can definitely relate to that. I didn't necessarily mean to make you right. We've talked about this whole time about not looking back at the past, but yeah, here we, here we are. Yeah, that's, it's good to sort of see that because now when I do public speaking, I don't have any of that anxiety or uh, I'm not having that concern about how people are going to judge me. And it's more about just me being me and, yeah, and not being that person that I was back in high school is like, a, yeah, it's like a massive transformation for me. I never thought I'd be able to do a podcast or with someone or go up and do a, a talk in front of a group of people. It was just I never, ever conceived that would be possible for me so to actually to to go back and sort of see how much has changed is really good right so in a in a way it's if you're doing it from a positive place it's it's good to to look back right as a reminder of like look how far i've come yeah exactly i think there's a lot of people that yeah get caught into that okay what's next what's next what's next they um they're really driven people and they don't look back to just see how far they've come. They don't have time to smell the roses. And I, I can know I'm, I'm guilty of that sometimes. So it is good to sort of, yeah, reflect on the past, but not live in the past, I suppose. And also like plan for the future, but don't live in the, in the future. That's, that's the, the big takeaway is you've got to live in the now. Absolutely. So, well, the other thing that I'm curious about, because I, I know that you continue to learn and to grow so what have you learned maybe in the, as long as the last two years, but maybe considering how intense it has been, maybe the last, as recently as the last six months, that yeah. really excites you? Uh, the thing that really excites me is the connection with health and the mind. And I was, previously I was this very logical person that believed that the mind had nothing to do with health. Like there was no connection between the mind and the body. But the more I look into it, there is this massive connection and it's like it's undeniable when you start looking into it and it's really, like it really excites me. And some of the work I've done with my mind, uh, I've had like many, many uh, allergies growing up and I've done some work on my mindset that's actually got rid of those allergies. I never thought that would be possible. Um, I've got rid of gluten allergy and allergies to dogs and grass and I could never lay on grass without breaking out in massive hives. But now when I lay on grass, I, I don't even think about it. It's, it's really interesting to, to delve into this mind and body connection. Because you think about it, um, doctors talk about placebo a lot. They always have to do like a placebo study. But if you think about what is placebo? Placebo is someone getting a sugar pill and being healed. So it's not the sugar that did it. It's the belief of the person that they were getting this medicine. That's the thing that actually healed them. They healed themselves by someone lying to them. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really interesting. And so I look forward to delving into that more as I go on. No, yeah, that's exciting. As you, as you learn more, we love you. Maybe we can connect again and, and, and dive deeper into that because that sounds yeah. exciting. Yeah, no, that'd be good. Because, yeah, because you think about it, like the placebo is... Uh, something of benefit you're getting healed by belief healed by thought but there's the opposite of that it's called the nocebo so it's actually disease being caused by belief so you can't have you can't really have one without the other can't have a placebo without the nocebo so yeah that's something that i'm that i'm uh, working on as well Wow. No, that's really fascinating yeah i'd love to Mm. definitely learn learn more about that in the future that sounds awesome yeah that'd be good I guess the other a, thing, yeah, no, yeah. please. Finish. No, I was going to yeah, say yeah. that's like a really good takeaway is that everything in the world is in duality. That's probably another really good point that I need to, to bring up. And it's everything is in duality. Like there's, you can't have day without night. There's no good without bad. And a lot of people um, are out of balance. They try to be one thing more than the other thing. I can give you an example in my life. I hated anyone who was angry i didn't ever want to show anger i thought anger was a bad thing and so i never ever uh experience i never showed that emotion in my life but the problem with that is if i didn't show anger people would walk all over me and 
because I didn't, I never set boundaries. And so anger is not a good thing or a bad thing. It just, it is a thing. And so when you try to become one thing more than another, you actually become out of balance. And so you've got to stop seeing things as good or bad and just everything. Um, how can I explain this? It's really hard to explain at the moment, but instead of like living in those extremes, we've got to live in the middle. We've got to find the balance in life. So, um, yeah, that's like a massive thing that I've learned in my, in my travels is find that middle ground and start living from there. So now you're able to, I guess, experience those emotions in a healthier way, including anger. Would that be one yeah. way to put it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I don't see emotions as good or bad anymore. They just are. Uh, and so I just try and find that middle ground. And yeah, as you said, like live from that place of balance. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, what do you know that seems so obvious to you and almost pisses you off that other people don't know that you wish uh, they did know? Okay. That's a very good question. What pisses me off with people? I think it's what we discussed on a little bit before is that people are trying to get their needs fulfilled from the external world. That's the thing that pisses me off the most. It causes so many issues. It causes things like people go and buy stuff because they think it will give them this temporary fix of feeling good but then that feeling goes away. So then they'll go buy something else. So consumerism is driven by people not feeling good about themselves because they're looking for this external thing. Um, so much issues, so much pain is caused by people trying to find things in the external world. And that's, that's the thing that pisses me off most because if people actually understood that they didn't have to go and search for these things outside and that it was already within them the whole time, they just didn't recognize it in themselves, the world would be a completely different place. Yeah. And so what's the, what's the thing that pisses you off with uh, oh, people not knowing? That's a great question. I mean, I think for me, because it's a core, it's a core value of mine is that not enough people take personal responsibility for their lives. And it, mm. it sort of speaks to what you talk about as well in, in a way yeah. Yeah. You know, that they're looking for external things, not realizing that really it's at the end of the day, it's up to them. Like no one's coming to save you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. But that comes back to the subconscious mind because people have these consciously, they want better for themselves, but because they're stuck in these old patterns, they'll just keep running those same old patterns. And you may find, I used to do this a lot, was that I would do something and then I'd think consciously, like, why would I do that? Like, why would I put myself in that position? I, I know it's a bad thing to do, yet I still keep going and doing it. And I couldn't understand why, I, even though I know it's bad, I would still do it. And so I think it's, yeah, um, when people understand that it's actually the subconscious mind doing that and then the conscious mind then has to apologize for it, for what happened. And I, I don't know why I did it, but I'm sorry. I used to say that a lot. <laughs> so it's, yeah, uh, yeah. That's amazing. So, but in a way that's good, right? You have someone else to blame, even though it's you. Yeah. But you don't know this other person is doing it. You just think it's you, but it's not. It's yeah. It's this other part of your mind that's yeah that's running around causing havoc, and you have to pick up the pieces afterwards. Yeah, well, I guess we can we can all benefit from your coaching then to to help us figure out how to have that subconscious mind cause less 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 havoc, grief I guess. in your life. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So with that, well, why are you optimistic about the future? Uh, I'm optimistic because. I feel like there's like a shift in the world. I really do. And people are becoming more aware about this type of stuff. If you go back a generation or even two, two, even one generation ago, my parents had no idea about this mindset stuff. They had no idea about how their subconscious mind was ruling their life. And with all this extra information, we can start um, becoming the real uh, we can start actually living from a life of integrity and start living a life of, um, I suppose, purpose is the big word. A lot more people are living from purpose and not just 
surviving. A generation or two ago, people would just go to work, they would go to the same job, they would work there for like 30, 40, 50 years, and then they would retire. And that was their life. They didn't know any better. But now we're starting to awaken that there's more to, to life than just than just going to work. There's uh, People have a calling. And it's my belief that everyone has a purpose. But unfortunately, their subconscious programming, their subconscious beliefs get in the way of that. And so that's what I really love. That's my passion is to focus on is to remove all those limiting beliefs and people then start to become aware of what their purpose is. And once they start living from purpose, the more people that start living from purpose, the, the, the greater this world's going to become. That's, that's my fundamental belief. And that's why I'm sort of optimistic because this stuff is becoming more and more uh, commonplace. Yeah, that's great. And well, what does success mean to you? Uh, that's like, that's a, such a good question. And I think this is a really good question for other people to answer for themselves as well, because when I ask my clients, I'm like, what does it take to be successful? Um, generally they will give me two different types of answers. They will give me a massive long list of all these things that it requires to be successful. And we mentioned before, like if you have this expectations that you're going to be perfect and you're going to have all these things done you're setting yourself up for failure and that's what happens when people have this massive list of what it takes to be successful they never become successful they always feel like they're not enough or they've failed so be really careful of having a massive long list of being successful and the opposite of that um, is that sometimes people don't have anything they have no idea what it takes to be successful so therefore they never ever feel successful so something for listeners to think about is like okay what does it take for them to feel successful so for me it's just continually just pushing this message out and as i mentioned before helping people find their purpose that is success to me if i can help one person um stop spinning in their life um and getting off that hamster wheel of life and start living a life of purpose and meaning and passion. That's success for me. Like that is, it really makes my day when, when, um, when people get to that place. Cause I lived that life of 20 years of being in misery. And so that my, is my purpose is to not let people suffer for as long as I did. It took me 20 years to figure out this information and how to change. So I don't want other people to, to, be stuck in that position because it's, it's, it's a, it is a horrible place when you reflect on that. And so, yeah, so the more people I can drag out of that world, the better. Yeah, and a better world will have overall, right? Yeah, exactly. Because the way I see it is I had this um, image in my head one day and I'm not, um, I'm not a visual person. I never visualize at all. And, one, one day I had this visualization and I could see like a lake and I could see a, like a, a stone drop and I could see all the ripples go through the lake. And I knew exactly what that meant as soon as I saw it. It's like, I'm dropping, I'm the rock and I'm setting all these ripples out into the world. So that if I change one person, then they affect people around them and then they affect people around them. So it's this, even just changing one person's life has this massive ripple effect. And so that is, yeah, it's such a massive thing. And with that visualization, the, the lake suddenly went still. And, it, and I realized what that means. It's like, if I don't do my work, that ripple effect stops. And so it's, it's not something that I should do. It's something that I have to do. This work is, is like a calling. It's not something that, um, yeah, it's not a job for me, let's say. It's more, of a, yeah, it's more of a purpose. So it was a good visualization to actually remind me that, yeah, this is what I'm being meant to, meant to what I, sorry, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Wow, that's really powerful. And that's a beautiful analogy and a beautiful image, right? And you say for someone who doesn't visualize, if you saw that, that it really yeah. must have been important. Yeah, it was like crystal clear. And it's like, I was, yeah, I'll never forget that image. Because just as I said, like I never, ever visualize, never. And to see that mm. image crystal clear, it's like, well, this really means something. Mm -hmm. And so with that image in mind, then who will Will Hand be in five years? Wow, that's a tough question. 
I like I have no idea to be honest. I have no idea. Um, I don't know who I'm going to be in six months because I don't know where life's going to take me. I try not to focus too far in the future. Like I try to plan for it and have some idea. But even when you plan for the future, you never usually end up there anyway because life is like life is crazy. Who knew what was going to happen in the last six months? You just never know what lies around the corner. So I, I don't think I could ever answer that question. I just hope I'm doing more of what I'm doing now. I think that's a really good sign of if you're living on purpose and you ask someone, what do you want to be doing in five years? And they can say just more of what I'm doing now that they're on purpose. Just want to be helping more and more people. Not sure how, but I'll figure that out as I go along. No, that's amazing. That's a, that's a fair answer from someone who teaches others to live in the now. <laughs> so I realize it's yeah. a bit of a trip up it question. Is, it in is a way. question. Yeah. 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 So fair enough. So, well, I know, I know you have your Instagram. Is that the best way for people to get in touch with you and learn more about the coaching and just follow you? Yeah, so you can just follow me on Instagram, uh, Inner Beliefs. And also, even if you just want to just send me a message uh, on Facebook, you can just go to uh, just have a look for, do a search for Wilhan, facebook.com slash Wilhan, you'll find my account. And yeah, just send me a message. More than happy to chat to anyone if they got any more questions. So I said, like, I'm here to help as many people as I can. So, yeah, don't be afraid about uh, reaching out. And, yeah, I, I love talking about this stuff. I could talk about it for, for a long time. So the, just, yeah, hit me up on either Instagram or Facebook. They're the two easiest ones. No, that's amazing. And we have links for all of that in the description below. So anyone okay. that wants to connect with Will can just click on along. Unless you're driving now, then, you know, pull over and then do it and then send them a message. <laughs> Unless you're driving from your subconscious mind. <laughs> right. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, so with that, I, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. I just want to ask you if you have any final words for anyone who might be listening. Uh, do I have any final words? That's, uh, I, I, I've still got so much in my head that I would love to talk about, but like this hour has gone so quick. I know. Yeah. Um, but I just, I think the final word is I want people to understand this subconscious conscious dynamic and so for a long time I was blaming myself like I blamed myself for not being the person that I wanted to be but when I understood that the subconscious mind is hardwired and it was impossible for me to change it unless I knew how to it gave me permission to forgive myself and so that was like a massive release for me and that's what I share with a lot of other people is like now that you have this understanding that your subconscious is driving your life 95% of the time and it's been causing havoc to just let go of that blame. And yeah, now you understand, now you can move forward and change things, but you can just let go of that blame. That's probably one of the biggest takeaways um, I want to give for people. Well, well, thank, thank you again very much. I really appreciate you ah, coming on today. It's been amazing. It's been, it's been great yeah. chatting about it. And I just, want, I just want to wish you much success and may you continue to transform as many lives as possible because you have an important mission and may you live on to continue to do it for many, many years, even though I know you like to live in the present. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm hoping I'll be around for many years, but yeah. So um, thank you so much for, for the time and be able to share this message. And um, yeah, that's what, so it lights me up to be able to share this. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to, to have this chat. It's been great. Absolutely. And that's all for today. Thank you all for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And to hear more meaningful conversations with real people like Will, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you might be listening. That's all. Goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.